0: God bless you guys. (laughs) Praise Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you know, Pastor Jeff called me a couple uh, days ago, and he told me, "Brother Jose, you want to share? You know, share your testimony or whatever you want. You know, mix it in." So I'm gonna give you guys a little bit of my testimony. I know a lot of you see me around praising the Lord at work, see me around praising God here at church, and and yes, see me happy and joyful all the time. You know, and uh, I keep this joy because of Jesus Christ, because He lives in me. There's a fire in me that I can't extinguish. I just can't. It's living inside of me, and I feel it every day. Every day I wake up, I can feel the Lord in me. Every day I go to work, I feel the Lord in me. Every day I'm standing somewhere, I just feel the Lord. He's in me, right. and he's real. You know, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share my, a little bit of my testimony. I'm going to go to share another script, some scriptures with you guys today. But before I start, I'm going to go into prayer with, to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you give me, Father, to speak, Father God. Father, I ask, Lord, that you be the one that speaks through me, O Lord. Father, I put a stop to anything. I try to come against this message, Father God, against my testimony right now, Father. And I cast it out in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you give me, Father God, to live for you, O oh Lord. And I just thank you for everything you've done in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So my story, brothers and sisters, I'm not even going to try to read my uh, from where I have it. I'm just going to do it by memory. because I, I know it's, it's, it's more of an anointing when you just memorize things. So my story starts at... Ten years old, I came over here when I was five years old to the United States. My parents uh, were not born here. I wasn't born here. I was born in Mexico. I came over here at five years old. You know, I got my green card, got everything. My parents got me everything. You know, I, I'm legal and everything. They got me legal. So at ten years old, something really bad happened to me. You know, uh, something that I know some of you might be seeing here. It probably happened to you, too. But I ended up getting molested as a sexually molested as a ten-year-old by somebody that I really loved, somebody that I thought would protect me, you know. Um, it was a close relative of mine, right? And um, from there on, my life started going downwards even more. At 10 years old, when you experience something like this, a lot of you, if you haven't been through this, some of you might have, you guys don't know the pain a 10-year-old feels, the suffering that he goes through, the nightmares that he gets. So I went through nightmares, pain, suffering, I kept trying to seek something that can help me out. Something that can fill that void, that anger that I felt towards that person. Something that can just kill it off. So at 13, year old, you know, at 13 years old, I came around a bunch of friends that started smoking weed. So you know, I was like, hey, you know what? I didn't feel like my dad could protect me. I didn't feel like my mom could protect me. I started getting involved with people that were in gangs, 13, 14 years old. I started using weed. You know, the weed seemed to numb away some of that pain, some of that suffering. It seemed to do it. It helped me out a little bit. But after the high was over, I went back to the same thing. Felt the same pain, the suffering. So I kept seeking something. There was this emptiness inside of me. This anger. This rage. I just wanted to hurt that person that did this to me at that age. So... I started hanging out and around with these people and more and more and more going to parties. At 15-year-olds, I came across something called meth. Now, I'll tell you something. That stuff is dangerous. That stuff is the devil's. It's, it's, it's the devil. It's the devil itself. that it will convince you to do stupid things. So I decided to go after that stuff because it numbed me up really good. I didn't have feelings for anybody. I didn't care about my parents. I didn't care about... Anybody, not even the same people that gave it to me. Even though, let me tell you what happens when you do these drugs. What happens when you do meth is you care more about the people that are giving it to you than the people that actually do love you. You respect those people more than the people that actually you're supposed to love and care for. I'll tell you guys something. What happened to me, to transformed me. That drug transformed my life. I would tell my mom lies, even though I shouldn't have, but I would honor those people more. I would honor them more. I would, you know what? I would, I would be like, you know what? You need some money, man? i will get you some money. I never gave my mom anything. She thought I was a good kid at first, though. All the time. She was like, oh, man, you help me vacuum. You help me this. When I turned 15 years old and I started doing that stuff, everything just turned upside down. I said, nope. You know what? I like this drug. After a while, when I hit 16 years old, I started doing crime. I started going, you know, burglarizing places with friends. I started, uh... You know, um, going around and, and, um, and selling drugs at the schools. Doing stuff like that. Fights, gang stuff, all that stuff, right? But at 17 years old, somebody invited me to church. And you know what? I'm thankful to this day that that person actually is actually still in my life. And, and it was my wife's mother, the one that invited me to church at 17 years old. She told me, you know what, I know someone that can help you. I know someone like you, you should come to church. You want to date my daughter? Let's go to church. Amen. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was like, all right. Oh, Pastor White, and I was a liar, liar, pants on fire, Pastor White. I was one of those. <laughs> I was a liar, liar, pants on fire. I was one of those guys. So I started coming to church. It was a Spanish service next door. Well, actually, we didn't have this building yet, so church was on next door in this next building. And I was coming to Spanish service. And I started going in and out and, in and out of church, right? I wasn't coming to church because I wanted to go to church. I just wanted to be next to my girl. <laughs> I want to see how many guys are trying to hit on her. So I started going to church because of my, of my girl, right? I was like, you know what? I need to go take care of her. I need to watch over her, make sure no one else is trying to get at her. So I started going to church because of that. That was the reason I went to church. It wasn't because of the Lord. But my addiction was still there and it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And worse. Me and my friends went through armed robberies. We went through, uh, you know, sales. We would, went would, uh, we to manufacturing, all that nasty meth, all that stuff. We went through all of that. And it started getting worse and worse. I started getting involved. The cops started arresting me. You know, I started getting more trouble. Ended up in jail, I think, like, 30, 40 times. County jail, got back out, went back in, got back out, went back in. I had, like, six or seven felonies. I believe around there. They got dropped down to three of them. Well, the thing is, you know, this, 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 my mother's wife had told me about this God. And I was tired of this drug. It was getting worse and worse and worse. Here. This drug would get so bad that I started losing everything. Everything, see, when you do drugs, everything starts very, very good and wonderful. You start climbing up the ladder. You're like, yeah, this is getting good. I had the money. I had cars. I remember when I was 18-year-olds, uh, I was driving an old 47 Silverado. A little 18-year-old driving an old 47 Silverado. Wow. <laughs> a brand-new truck. And I was doing it. I was like, yeah, I have it all. But inside of me, there was still something hurting me. Inside of me, there was still this pain inside of me that I couldn't get over. So finally, I got arrested. I kept getting arrested. And my girl finally got on me about it too and told me, look, you need to stop this. You're going to lose me. You're going to lose everything you have. So as a pastor was preaching next door, it was uh, one of our Spanish pastors next door. He was preaching and he did the altar call. The next day out of court, you know what? I started praying to God, and I was like, you know what? If you're real, show me who you are. I want to get to know you because I want to know who you are if you're real. I'm tired of suffering. I'm tired of these drugs taking control of my life. I'm just tired of it, Lord. If you're real, show me something. As soon as I was done praying, guys, I felt this the goosebumps. I call them the God bumps. But you felt the chills all the way from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes. Just, whoa, what is this? And I, and I told my girls, like, hey. Honey, some, I think God's calling me up there. You better go. So I walked all the way up to the altar, got on my knees and started crying and asking him, Lord, whatever you have to do, whatever you must do, I don't care if you have to put me in jail, in prison. I don't care what you have to do. Whatever it takes for you, for me to just stop doing drugs, please do it. I want you to do it, Lord. The pastor came by, prayed for me. I felt like something warm was all over me. Like, whoa, this is, this is crazy. I never thought it was real. <laughs> I used to curse God. I used to do all that stuff. He's like, yeah, right, this God is fake, all this stuff, right? So finally the next day I went to court. I already knew I was going to get sentenced. Because I had I, had, I had, I think, like eight felonies and 25 misdemeanors on me. And I was out on bail. So finally I took my wallet out, my cell phone out. I gave it to my girlfriend. I was like, honey, I got to go. What do you mean you're not going over? They're not going to take you. Oh, yes, they are. They're going to take me right now. So I gave her my phone. I gave her my wallet. As soon as I walked in there, they called my name up. The judge was like, what are you doing out here already? You're supposed to be in jail. What are you, what are you doing? Why bail well, bailed out, your honor. No, no, your bail is supposed to be like 100,000 or something like that. I'm like, oops. <laughs> so they put me back in handcuffs, took me to jail, right? I started praising God when I was in jail. See, I don't know if any of you have been in jail, but when you're in jail and you don't have a cellie and you don't have anybody to talk to, you start talking to God, oh, he will answer you. He will respond to you. He will show you who he is. You see, when I was, there was I was sitting in county jail, right, and I was cradled up, crying. And I was like, Lord, you know, I'm tired of this heart of mine. Change it, please. I need you to change my heart, Lord. I don't know what to do anymore. I'm tired of this life. I still have these, these kind of evil thoughts. I still suffer with this. I still suffer with that. But I need you to do something. So at two thirty, three 3 o'clock, I know it was 30, 3 o'clock. It, a, it used to be the pill call. Pill call was when they give people medications at that time. All of a sudden, I, I feel like somebody's in my room, and my whole body starts trembling and shaking, right? My bones inside of me start trembling and shaking. And I felt somebody sprinkling water on me. I don't know if you ever water your plants with the little pots, but I felt like somebody was going like this to me, you know, sprinkling water from my head to my toes. And I was like, whoa, what's going on? But I was scared inside of me. I was like, Lord, help me, what's going on? Help me, please. My bones inside me were trembling. I was able to open up my eyes a little tiny bit to where I saw this bright light. That it's just too bright for my eyes to be opened. I, don't, I couldn't open them. It was too bright. And all of a sudden I felt this hand, like a human hand, go through the side of my ribs around here, grab my heart, pull it out, and go back in there and come back out. Let me tell you guys something. I didn't understand what happened to me. I didn't understand any of it. I woke up and I was, I was like, whoa, I was shaking up. Lord, what happened? What happened? But the room that I was in, it felt like I was in the static electricity place where everything was just static. I was like, whoa, my hair was sticking up, my head was sticking up. Every hair in my body was sticking up. I'm like, whoa, where am I at, Lord? But I know I was in my cell. Now, three months later, I'm reading my word, right, because I was already like, Lord, you need to do something. I was reading my word, and he said, you need to forgive the person that harmed you, Jose. You need to forgive that person. I'm going to show you what I did to you, but I'm a, I need you to forgive that person. I said, Lord, I, I don't want to forgive that person. I want to hurt that person. I want to get rid of that person. I hate that person. And the Lord told me, you know what, if you can't forgive them, then I can't forgive you. I said, that's how it is, Lord. That's how it is. If you have anything against anybody, I myself cannot forgive you. So you better do something about it. And I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, right? Finally, I said, you know what, Lord? I'm ready to forgive that person. But I want you to show me what you did to me that night. Because I know it is you, Lord. There's nothing that can... No one else... I went around asking everybody. I went around asking people that read the Bible, people that knew about the Word of God, that were locked up in there. I said, can you tell me what happened? I want to know what happened. I felt this, this, and that. We can't explain it to you, man. I don't know. So I asked the Lord, all right, Lord, I'm ready to forgive this person. When I forgave that person... There was this heaviness lifted off of me. There was this peace, this joy in my heart. You see, when you don't forgive somebody, that holds you back. It doesn't hold them back because they can keep doing evil all they want. It doesn't matter. An evil person will always do evil until they come to recognize that what they're doing is evil. And they need to repent. But if you know better, you must forgive them and say, you know what, I forgive you. Because you know better. I'm going to show you what the Lord did to me that night. And it's actually in His Word because I came across it three months later. That's the amazing thing about God that, you know, I didn't know what happened. I was writing all this stuff to my girlfriend when she was out, you know, from from Tracy prison. I was writing all this stuff. I was like, Lord, this happened to me. I got letters at home, you know, what was happening to me. Every day I would write a letter. And then three months later I wrote another letter. Look, I found in the Bible what happened to me. And I know this has happened to a lot of you whether you were conscious of it or not. It already has happened to you. Because if you believe in Jesus Christ... And you have made him your Lord and Savior. This has happened to you. What am I going to read to you guys right now? So it's in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25. It says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes." And you will, be, you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell on the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. Amen. That's what the Lord has done for me. He gave me a new heart that night. Amen. I felt the surgery that he did on me. I felt it live. It was surgery. He did it. He took that heart, took it out. You know, and there's another scripture here that proves to me that that's right. That's exactly what happened. And it's in Job. I'm going to read Job to you guys really quick. Job chapter 4, verse, let me see what verse it was, 13 to 17, it says, In disquieting thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep on men, fear came upon me in trembling, which made all my bones to shake. Then a spirit passed before my face. The hairs of my body stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. There was silence. Then I heard a voice saying, Can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? God gets to do whatever he wants with you and me. But you have to choose him. You know what? I chose the Lord that day. I said, Lord, you have proven to me that you are the only God, that you are real, that you can take my life and you can give me life. That you can give me cursings or give me blessings, Lord. You have put it on. See, I'm going to read to you guys. This, this was actually my, my, my uh, sermon right here. And uh, I'm going to get to it now that I'm done with my testimony a little. I still got more of my testimony, guys. But I'm going to stop there. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of the sermon I had. I got to choose the Lord. You, every day, have to choose the Lord. You see, once we choose the Lord, once we accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior... You have to keep choosing to do His will daily. Every day. It's an everyday thing. It's not just a i I received the Lord and I'm going to live however I want. I'm going to live in sin and the Lord's okay with it. I've got news for you. The Lord's not okay with it. The Lord is not okay with you living in sin. He's not okay with that. He says He hates that stuff. He hates sin. The Lord hates sin. How much more must we we hate sin? We must hate that stuff. We are supposed to be seeking holiness. Holiness. Think about it. The Lord said, be holy for I am holy. The way me and you are going to do miracles and change the community, change this world, is to be holy. To abstain from things that are not okay in front of God's eyes. Because when we abstain from those things, He gives us a power to heal. He He gives us that. So, I've made the choice, but I'm gonna go to Joshua 24:15. See, Joshua was a great leader. Joshua was one of the men that went to uh, spy on the land of Canaan, the Promised Land. He was actually the only him and, can- and uh, Caleb. Caleb were the only two that actually were not scared of those giants out there. They were the only two that actually said, "You know what? Let's go into that land and conquer it. We can do it." Yep. The other ten were like, "No, no, we're not going in there. They're too big for us. We're gonna, we're gonna get destroyed." And you know what they actually did? They went into the, into, the, into the people and said, you know what? Let's find another leader to guide us back into Egypt. I don't want a leader that's going to guide me back into sin. That's not the kind of leader I want. I want the kind of leader that's going to guide me to heaven. That's going to guide me the right way. That's the kind of leader I want. So Joshua was this leader. You see, and he got all these guys, all the leaders of the tribes of Israel, into, where is this place? Shechem. Was it Shechem, Pastor White? Shechem? Shechem. Well, this is the place where. Canaan. Canaan. No, well, it was where he, where, where, he, uh, where he got them together before they went into the Canaan land. I think it was Shechem. 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 Thank you very much. I have a hard time pronouncing things. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So it was Shechem. So he got them all together, and this is what he told them, right? This is what he told them. He said, And if it seems evil to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Know what? Me and my wife have made that decision to serve the Lord. You have to make that decision for yourself to serve the Lord. You and your household Me and my wife have to teach my son. You know what? You have to respect God. You have to honor God. This is what you have to do. You want to live in blessings? This is what you have to do. Now, Moses said the same thing in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. He said, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death. Blessings and cursings, therefore choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. You know what? If you choose life, if you choose Jesus Christ, if you choose every day to serve the Lord your God, you're not only choosing for yourself, but it says right here you're choosing for your descendants, your family. Your family sooner or later will come to the feet of the Lord. You know why they're going to come to the Lord? Because they're going to see the example you live. They're going to see the life that you live. The joy inside of you. The happiness inside of you. That when trials and tribulations come your way, you go through them with joy and with happiness. Those trials and tribulations shouldn't knock us down. The Lord says we shall not waver. In James chapter, let me read it here, chapter 1, verse 6 and 8. For that he that wavered is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You shouldn't waver. You shouldn't be unstable. You should be focused on what you, on your goal, and your goal should be Jesus Christ. Your goal should be to please him at all times, not please yourself. That's right. You see the gods that these people were already delivered. They were done with war. Joshua, the Israelites were done with war. But Joshua saw that his, the people were going after other gods. The gods of materialism. The gods of idolatry. The gods of lust. I'm telling you, that this is real today. It's happening today. Here in Woodland, California, it's happening. All over the world is happening. People know about Jesus, but they choose to serve these other gods. Money. Easy money. Let me go make some easy money. Even though you know it's illegal and you still want to go do it. Because it's easy money. Pleasure, all these things, envy, hatred, these are all the gods that these people started serving. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to serve those gods. I don't want to serve the gods of lust, the gods of, I don't want, I want to serve my Lord, God. The one that gives me a mind of peace, of joy, of happiness. That's the God I want to serve. The God that keeps me happy no matter what. If the whole world ends up falling apart, I'm going to stay stable and say, Lord, praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. I'm going to stay firm on him. See, Adam had to make the choice. And like I said about the descendants, Adam made the wrong choice. He went the wrong way. And because of him choosing the wrong thing, it fell upon every single one of us. And every single one of us is born with sin, is born with the tendency to go after sinful things. But that's why our Savior came. That's why in Romans chapter 5, he says that even though we were sinners, he came and died for us. Even though we were his enemies, he came and gave his life for us. How much a greater love can you give than your enemy dying for you?